So welcome to WWC. Oh God, what? Could you say it again? Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna have to start that again. Siri, fuck sake! Siri turned on when I was doing the intro. That Sadiq, please leave that in. Okay, right. <clears throat> welcome to the Worldwide Chelsea Pod, episode thirty-five, with your favourite host in the world, Marv. You can find me on Twitter, Marvito underscore dude. You can follow me, unfollow me. I really couldn't care less. Um, and I've got special guests, just one-on-one today, me and the baller, Mr. Analysis himself. How are you today, Matt? I'm great. I'm great. I'm glad we got to do this dynamic duo, Eminem, today. <laughs> just us two. It's going to be great. Well, I've been writing you, but you've been calling me. Mm. No one is that Eminem reference. Come on. It's great. <laughs> right. It's great. I'm very happy to do it with you today. It should be quite fun doing this uh, kind of more, you know, dynamic. We're going to dive into it today. Um, and with my first question, I'm going to leave it quite of an like, open question. We had a game this weekend. Other crazy results have happened. Is this the beginning of the season, Matt? What do you think? I mean, yes. I mean, it's the beginning of the season where we finally have, I know ZX not come back fully yet, but we're finally going to have the team we need. And hopefully, depending on what happens tomorrow with possible sign-ins, we could have the team to challenge and finally stamp our authority on games rather than limping through them like we had in the last three games. Yeah, it's definitely been an aspect of limping. I mean, even with uh, this game, which we will discuss, but, you know, we'll take a 4 and be very happy. Um, but now with the other results that have happened around us, I mean, what what's happening? What's happening? I wrote in the programme notes, Liverpool 4-1 down, and, and now they've ended the game just before we started. 7-2, Man United losing 6-1, Man City failing again. What's happening, Matt? I don't know. I mean, at, at this point, Arsenal are going to win the league. Oh, God, we're going to have to start the pod again. Uh, you're going to have to go to therapy to kind of work that disgusting word out of your mouth there, my friend. Yeah, I mean, it won't happen. Arsenal will do their typical <laughs> Arsenal selves. But, I mean, it is worrying to see Arsenal doing quite well. And Everton has done so well. I, I, I knew they'd be good this season, but so far they've been on absolute fire. I just hope they don't dig out my tweets when <laughs> all I've been saying the whole time about oh, Everton could be good this season, people said. And I was saying, yeah, eighth, seventh, maximum. Well, yeah, my, <laughs> my, my prediction was eighth for them. So this is not yeah, good. I, I mean, it's the same. I mean, every season with them, they, they buy a lot of players. They actually do spend quite a bit and they always seem to flatter. But they've, yeah, I admit they've started some, playing some fantastic stuff. I do think they've spent, well, better this season. I mean, Alan, Decore and Rodriguez were all good signings. Obviously, the Rodriguez one would have been a bit of a risk, but so far it's paying off. Well, apparently he was uh, free. Just read that yesterday. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, my cousin's an Everton fan. He's been going on that it's the best free transfer ever, apparently. Well, I mean, we're talking about free. I mean, let's see if they win anything before we call it that. I mean, we got Michael Balak for free. Yeah, that was that was a very good. I think they'll 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 stop scoring goals soon, and then they'll drop down to where they're supposed to be. But 
Yeah, I think that's that kind of like a thing with Ancelotti teams, right? There is a, if they ride the wave, it normally comes quite early. I remember in our second season after winning the double, we started the same way and we were winning games with high score lines, weren't we? Like five ones and stuff like that slipped off around November, December time and that was it. Yeah, I just think as well with their defence, their defence isn't strong enough. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. Especially, I mean, you. I, I can't. They got like Michael Keane at the back, right? I mean, uh, their not... centre back partnership is Mina and Michael Keane with Pickford in goal. Oh, he is going to cost them points. Pickford. He will yeah. cost them points this season. Um, right. Let's move on. Then let's discuss this Crystal Palace game. We won four 0 We finally can do a pod without having to cry. We've got the win. It's happy again. It's rosy at the bridge. What were your takeaways from the 4-0 win, my friend? Um, well, finally, we've managed to win a game quite comfortably and be happy coming out of it. That's one good thing about it. I mean, m- more that I, th- I think I've taken more out of the defending rather than the attacking, if I'm honest. Even though we have scored four goals and looked comfortable, I thought our defending was absolutely supreme. I don't think there was a occasion where I was particularly worried that Crystal Palace were going to score and I mean that's down to not just the centre-back partnership of Zuma and Silva but Chilwell, Mendy, Azpilicueta to a point he wasn't fantastic but that was because everyone else was so good at the back and even the midfield there was you still had some of the issues of Jorginho getting caught out and I found he was just defensively still really a bit lazy and Kante couldn't cover it all by himself, but I think that's a problem that we're just going to have to have all season, I think. Uh, yeah, and I think that is definitely one of the biggest positives, actually. I mean, when I rewatched the game, because it was at 5.30 where I am, I rewatched the whole game, I managed to find it, and uh, I saw, actually, one of the things that made me the happiest, it's funny you mentioned about the back four, because that was going to be my next question about the defensive uh, kind of setup we've now got. The thing that made me the happiest, you want to have a guess what it was? Uh, Depends on what makes you happy, I don't know. (laughs) Not a lot makes you happy. There's a McDonald's down the road. (laughs) But um, uh, it was one save from Edouard Mendy. Um, Ah, yeah, I know the one. Deflected shot. Deflected shot, he managed to kind of parry away and saved it. It felt good. To see a shot come at us and go back, not be picked out of the net. It was, you know, the West Brom game, for example, and I'm not just singling out Kepper. I mean, in the West Brom game, we made some errors, but they scored all those chances. Yeah, it was West Brom, it was three chances, three goals. Yeah, so it's not just Kepper. I mean, it's also Willie, and it's nice to see we've got a guy now who looks like he could be the part. Um, actually pulled up some stats on Thiago Silva's uh, performance there. He said he four clearances, one block shot, two interceptions, one tackle. Only one tackle, seemed like more. He won half of his ground duels, half of his aerial duels, 120 touches of the ball, 96.4% pass accuracy, one key pass and three out of five long balls completed. Nice, uh, nice game. Yeah, I mean, I saw Chelsea put it on Twitter that um, building from the back, I think they caught quoted it and I think he had a really good game there was there was a block where I think it was it might have been Zahar that was looking to go on the break and Zahar uh, Silva just gone down the floor blocked it picked it back up and passed it away I thought you would never have seen Christensen Rudiger Tamori or even Zoo 
even to a point I wouldn't have even seen Zuma do that. He's good with his last dip tackles, but Thiago Silva just made it look so comfortable. And I think next to Zuma, he's perfectly fits. It's a good duo, and I think that's the duo we've got to keep from now on. I actually, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you on that point. I think actually having two defensive you know, centre-backs that do look like they can win their battles. It was nice. I, it never looked in danger. And whenever, you, I mean, you know, it's both clear we're not big fans of, of Christensen and maybe you also of Rudiger. <clears throat> and in the sense, when the ball got crossed in, you, you knew it was coming back out. We, and after about 40 minutes, second half, yeah, Thiago, he played lovely. He played a couple of balls that went straight in between two defenders. We turned and we were in on an attack again. And I think that... Yeah, that's, those kind of short forward passes are what people think Christensen does well. But I think Thiago does it, it a lot better. And I, I was really happy with the defensive setup, actually. Yeah, and it's even to the point of um, Crystal Palace. There are no mugs when it comes to aerial balls. They're very good in the air. And we coped with them quite well. So I'm confident look, going forward with them two as the centre-backs. And even to the point of other players were starting to get a bit more stuck in as well. Yeah, I think that's um, a really good point you mentioned about that because uh, if we're, we're looking about games we've played against Crystal Palace in recent times, they often score and they always give us a tough game. And it's nice to see this time we, we just... Disp- I mean, we dominated. And I'm not one for those kind of possession stats, but I checked it and we had 71. 71 and 18 shots on goal. Yeah, I mean, as you said, I'm not really one for a possession game, but you, we got the goals... And it took it took a little bit of time. And I I saw people on Twitter getting a bit grunsly, like uh, they weren't happy. They were like, "Oh, here we go again." I thought, "No, we've played well. We've looked comfortable. We haven't looked like we've conceded." And I thought it was only a matter of time. Once the first one went in, it was going to go crazy again, and which it did. It's a really nice, uh, I mean, if we kind of analyse, and I'll come to some other things I wanted to say there about goals, but that will come a little bit after. But um, if we analyse how we kind of got that goal, the first goal with, with Chilwell, it was a result of taking our freaking man on. We need to do it more. And, and that's what my article was kind of like going to be talking about when, when it gets released. But it was one point Callum, I don't think he had an amazing game, but did look like he worked very hard. And at one point he tried to take his man on, he gets to the line. It doesn't quite come off, but the goal comes from that. And and again, we exploited that little bit of free space when they were sitting back. And I think that's how we break low block teams. I understand the club are trying to, you know, with low block, we're using people at Harvard to break those lines in between. But I think having a winger that goes past the man and, you know, we get that little bit of space. That's where the chance comes. And thankfully, Chilwell popped up, lashed it in for his debut goal. Um, and that must have been a, and also a good match. What do you think about that, Matt? Yeah, I agree. I think with Callum, I thought, similar to you, I thought I really liked that he worked hard. He, did, he wasn't fantastic, but I don't... I mean, I, you can see he's still just that little bit low on confidence, but the confidence is growing. And you can see as the great game grew on, he started to get a little bit more involved, started to be a bit more confident in himself, and then, as you said, take on people. And I think it's just good. He's... It's a good step for him, and I like, the, as I said, I, lo- I love the fact that even though he's not doing, he's not having a fantastic game in terms of actually the final third, he's working hard, and a bit more defensively he was working hard too, which I think that's what Lampard's looking for. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think the more we get those hard work in kind of off ball plays, you, people are going to be a bit more lenient to lack of goals and assists. At least that is how it is for me. It's one reason why I always really liked William. You knew that off the ball, he would give you a lot. And the same that what now Timo Werner is doing, even though he hasn't scored, I mean, I'm pretty happy with his performances thus far. Um, just going to ask another thing before we move on to the next point. Aspie coming in for Rhys James and we were better at the back. Uh, thoughts on that? Um, I thought Aspie did well. I don't think, personally, with with the back four we had, I think it was stable. I think putting Rhys in, putting Aspie in, I don't think it would have made a massive difference. There might, there might, Rhys might, might have been caught out a couple of times and they may have got in behind him a little bit, but I thought maybe on the other turn in terms of attacking, Reese probably would have brought what Asby wouldn't have, I think. With that, I think it's one of the ones, if Asby plays, I'm happy. If Reese plays, I'm happy. I'm not really... It's a good competition. We can vary it depending on what team we're playing against. And actually, that's quite a nice take on that because I think we need... Uh, some of the best Chelsea teams I ever saw had that. Um, when you had... I mean, my favourite... Chelsea team, I'm not sure what my favourite Chelsea team ever is, but I would probably go with the 2004-05 when we first won the league, and we had that. So, you know, we had Robin would play, Duff would play, Nicole would play, and then in the next season we got Sean Wright Phillips, and a lot of people didn't like him, but I think as a rotational option it gave us so much in the fact that other players had to play well. And uh, I think having Reese and Aspie there, that, that could help us a lot, because I don't think Aspie is done. Um... I think he does have some years in him, and, and hopefully Reese is going to kick on as well. So I think that's really good. Uh, the left side, obviously, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Maybe we can discuss that at another point. But yeah, I do agree with that, definitely. Um, coming on to the next thing. So at this point in the league, we've scored, I mean, what have we scored, like 10 goals? How many goals have we scored so far in the four games? Uh, it's Brighton 3, three. Liverpool 0, three. Ten West Brom, yeah, 10 goals. Ten goals. The only game we didn't score was a game we had to defend with ten men on the pitch, and we missed a penalty. So you know that that could have been eleven. That's pretty impressive, I think, at this stage, and that's considering that even Timo hasn't scored in the league yet, and we haven't had Pulisic and Ziyech come back. I mean, how do you see this? What do you see this? Uh, you know, what do you see happening here with that? Do you see it getting even crazier? Because we could expect some really high-scoring wins potentially, according to these stats. Yeah, I think, especially with the fact like we've obviously we haven't had Pulisic or Ziyech, and especially in the first two games, it was so obvious of how you would defend against Chelsea because we only had options going through the middle. All you had to do was sit in the middle, block that penalty area, and we weren't going to do anything on the wings. Yet we've still managed to score three against Brighton, um, obviously the four against Crystal Palace and the three against West Brom. I think. The goals will be obviously shared out a bit more. Like obviously, you've seen even now, we've not. It's not like we're an Everton who's got Calvert Lewin with nine goals. We've got no one. It's all been shared around the goals, which I don't mind. I, I like that. And obviously, Werner's still got to come in and play his proper position, which I think he will once he gets playing a couple of games in there. He'll start scoring loads. Havertz will be a little more free when he's got Pulisic on the left, when he's got Hudson Odoi or Ziyech on the right. Um, and hopefully someone behind him, depending on how the window goes. But yeah, I think we will have areas of the pitch where at times in the game where we will 
struggle. There'll be a couple of games we might go one nils, nil nils. It happens with most teams. Never, no one ever goes more than a hundred goals in a season. So I think we will have games where it will dry up, but we just got to make sure we're taking our chances when we, when that happens. I love the point that you make about uh, sharing the goals out. I think that's actually when you get the best teams. Uh, because, you know, you, you get a superstar striker, and I'm, all, I'm always of the belief that if you've got the super facilitator and the striker, you win the league. And I think that happened with us with Hazard Costa twice. Um, and when Costa was gone, we didn't come close ever again, even though we had one of the best players in the world in Hazard, because he was a facilitator. We didn't have the striker. Um, and I keep saying it in all of the pods. I think Pulisic and Werner is that combination. Um, I just hope that you know, now it's fit. We can actually see if I'm right. Um, but divide, imagine having that plus goals, and then you get Chelsea's 2010 team um, when we broke records. And, you know, we had Maluda there that season who had, I think, a fantastic season. We had Drogba scoring, you know, 30 goals. Um, and, and we also had then Lampard weighing in in the early season. We had SCN getting in there with, with a couple. Even Maluda himself scored quite a few goals. And I remember thinking, you know, how good we were that season because we had so many varied threats. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think out of all the managers, because obviously we remember when Lampard first came in, he said he he looks at all the managers that he played under and takes bits from them. I think if there's one manager Lampard's taken a lot from, it's been Ancelotti. And I think I see a lot of um, similarities within within the game that they play. I think obviously Lampard's got to sort out the defensive balance, and I think eventually that will come. It may take another player or two, but I think we're we're going to see something special. I think we may need time, and for one reason or another, this season may not be the season we hope for. And I know some people. I know you're. I'm one of guy. them. You want you want the trophy, and if the trophy doesn't come, there'll be a pressure. I think. Pressure's fine, but I think something special will come. We've just got to give it time, let it grow. Yeah, I think that's a really well thought out way of thinking about it because I think after games, I mean, I can be quite reactionary. I'm very reactionary. Um, even when you have time to think about it, I think it's definitely something. You know, one game you're failing to beat West Brom and the next game you're winning 4-0 even without creating clear-cut chances and you think wow we've got a real team here and uh, I think yeah perspective is really needed we have started without the players so I do think that is true um, and it, saying about Ancelotti I mean the way that he used to defend I remember when we used to watch the games in 2010 and I think he still does it now after watching I watched Macho Day yesterday and it was showing like they looked like the Christmas tree defensive uh, setup there as well with, at Everton that seemed to seem to work quite well for us especially in 2010 um, I do I, I agree I think you know there could be something special I mean you know that was what I was going to say about expectations I mean there's no way that we could, I mean, even though despite some conversations, group chats have had and all that, there's no way you could sack Lampard if, if we come second, you know. So even though we do expect to win, and I certainly expect return on the money we've spent on players, I think there is a certain allowance to the fact that we did come fourth last season. We didn't come first. We didn't come second. So that would be considered an improvement. Um, so I do agree on that. There, there are kind of... I definitely think he, at the moment, I wasn't happy the first couple of games. But, you know, we're back. We're only two points behind Liverpool. But we're in this, you know. So perspective yeah. is an important thing. Um, next one, let, let's kind of move on. Who was your man of the match for the game? 
Um, I was very impressed with Chilwell. I know he got man the match. Um, BT gave it to him. Uh, I think there's 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 many players you could have given it to. You could have given it to Thiago Silva. I thought Zuma had a really good performance. I thought, um, particularly in the second half, Havertz really turned it on. He didn't get the goals, all the goals and assists that he wanted and could have had. But I think there was many people you could have given the man the match to. Even Tammy to a point. I know Tammy wasn't the best in the first half and even me in the group chat I said maybe this is kind of Giroud's game and Tammy but he really stepped up in the second half like most of the attack and I think it's hard really There's, they, you could have given it to three or four players but I think I will give it to Chilwell just because he got his debut goal he got the assist as well and generally he just looked even defensively he just looked unstoppable absolutely and that ball that ball for Zuma my god I mean and he did it in in fact he did it in the uh other game, didn't he? Was it, was it Barnsley? I can't remember who played. Yeah, Barnsley. He's only had one game. He hasn't had a, a goal involvement. So, I mean, what a start for the guy. And You know, you want to find out who knows football well, just go through his uh, Twitter post and see who's commented under them. Um, yeah. You know, go to City, go to stay at Leicester, you're so good. You know, some of these ridiculous things. I'm on there on the comments, but I didn't say go to, you know, I kind of changed my mind on Chilwell way before this. I mean, originally I was more into a cheaper one so we could spend in a bigger area. Um, but after I saw the game, the FA Cup game that we played, I thought he was their best player. And I thought, that's why. That he's, so, he's got that motor, he's got that direct running, he's got something we've been looking for, that athleticism. Um, I saw on mine, on, on the comment under his chicken nugget thing, I wrote, you've got to get your price down, bro. And, and he did, so I'm taking that hindsight as a win. Yeah, I mean, he, what I think as well, he just fits exactly what Lampard wants. I think you could even argue he fits it more than James does. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I would agree with that. It seems like, I mean, and he said it, do you remember he said it last season, he's like, he, he would have liked, he liked a more athletic team. And um, the fact that we've got him on that left now, we've got a lot. I always worried about Chelsea not having that pace. We never really, even though we were a counter-attacking team, we didn't really have so much pace. And this has been a problem for quite a while. And I used to be jealous watching players like Zaha and, and on other teams thinking, they're so fast. Why is it always us up against these fast people? And now we've got people like Werner, we've got Christian, you know, we've even got Tamori who's lightning fast. You know, we've got a really nice looking team now. Yeah, even even Zuma's fast and Silver's lacking a little bit of pace. But even him, he's still quite quick on his feet for a 35-year-old or 36 now. He's still quite quick on his feet. You've got James on the right, Chilwell on the left. Um, Havertz ain't the quickest, but he it's makes fast. up for it. He's, he's, not, he's, he's fast for his height. I think he's not lightning quick, but he makes up for it with his height. I was really shocked about Harvards. Apparently, he clocked in Germany. I don't remember what. I think he was the second fastest midfielder to, uh, for sprints uh, in games in, in the whole of the Bundesliga last season. Which I, He doesn't look it, does he? I think no, it's crazy. No, he doesn't. He's, he's really? a bit like Ruben. Like Ruben's, Ruben was always quite fast, even though he was quite stacked up. I know, obviously, now he had the injury and he's not... Um, He's not at the pace at the moment, but back when the Sari days, he was he was always very fast with his dribbling and just on the ball with his pace and strength. And I think that's what is Ruben's best trait. Love the way he uses his body and steps across the player with the ball. I think it's fantastic. And I, I really hope he does get it back. 
really hope he does. Um, okay, let's skip over to the next thing. Man, and that's Chil- I probably would have also gone with Chilwell. I think um, it's hard not to give it to him. He broke the deadlock. He created chances. He was quick. He, did, he only made that one error where he charged and got nowhere near the ball. And But he got back. I mean, he really got back. And that was when Mendy made the save, I think. I think it was yeah. the same. Um, next thing on the agenda, however, Callum hudson Adoy. Opinions on this uh, apparent loan offer and 70 million option to buy. What are you thinking? Well, that, that's, that's crazy money. Um, I can't believe buying are making that sort of money, but I think we've got to look back. As much as the money is very tempting and it could be used in certain positions that we'd love, I still, I, I've always been a, I've, I know you, you don't really, rate him too well at the moment but I, I really do think he can be something and I know it's a lot of money and I know if he does become one of the best players in the world we'll go hey well we got 70 million from him anyway but I just worry of the past of Salah Lukaku, De Bruyne if we just let him go and I think with the lack of width we've got at the moment I think just keep him if, if Bayern come in next season and he does really well, and they say, yeah, we'll pay 70, 80 million again, maybe you think that could be a good idea, but we'll we'll see. I think he's not going to go, because I think Lampard said that he's happy of him. We're not really, there's no time to do, to get another winger in right now. We, if we lose him, I, I'd be worried about the depth. Yeah, I think that's valid. Um, and actually, you'd be quite surprised. I think um, the loan... I was for the loan. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of his, but if, if you're talking about if I think he's going to be a good, uh, a great player, I'm not 100% sure that he will be, but at the same time, I'm not sure. And when you're not sure, I, you cannot really sell, I guess. The 70 million I thought was fantastic offer if it was a real thing. I mean, if it was an obligation. But I guess that shows the club's belief in the player. I mean, I couldn't say it compares too much to Salah and De Bruyne because we saw great things before we chose to sell them. I mean, at least when Salah went on his loan to Fiorentina, I mean, he was banging goals. And Kevin De Bruyne was looking amazing at Wolfsburg, and we still sold. So, I mean, maybe that was a club problem there, like cutting them off too quickly. And it's the same I feel about some loan players. They go out there and they do so well, and then they still get sold. I mean, I'm not so sure. I don't really watch Pasolic that much, but people saying about him that maybe we could have got more money for him. Um, but yeah, a good point on Adoy. I guess if he stays, you know, we've got nice depth now. We would have three wingers, but he's got to kick on. Needs to do something this season. That's my only issue with him. We don't see enough of him actually doing something. Just we, we more we more hear about his his antics than about his game. I mean, he did well against West Brom, but you know that there's there's that criminal move against Tottenham when we lost the game. I am not going to forget that for a while. I think he, he's got a lot of work to do. But of course, we'll have the support of any real fan. Yeah, I mean, you got to think, he is 19. I think he's, with, with the clinical edge especially, I think that is still going to take time. I know you've got the Mbappes of the world, but he isn't going to be an Mbappe. And I don't, there's not many players that are Mbappes. Even Sancho, to a point, yes, he scores all these goals in the Bundesliga, but he, if he came to the if when he if and when he does come to the Premier League, he's not going to be, as, he's going to miss clinical chances, even at his age. And he's, what, 20, 21 now? can't remember his age off the top of my head. I think it's 20. But um, I think we just need to give him time and let him grow. I think 
Yeah, I think that's a good point because, um, and that's why one of the reasons the loan might have worked for us is the fact that he would have been playing a lot. I think that Bayern have a lot more flexibility in them being able to play young players because, you know, we don't get the chance to play against Energy Cop Bus at any weekend. So I think that, you know, he would have had that and it would have been another league experience. He would have won something, maybe to come back of even more of a champion mindset. So I think it could have been win-win for us. But I do agree. I think that, yeah, it's a bit, maybe a bit too late now to kind of get another guy in um, and another guy that can do something that we need, like 1v1 attack. And there are some available players. But again, it's a risk now without having time to bed them in. I mean, we'd have to look at this in the future, I think. Um, Sancho was... Is, 20 according to this march 25th 20 he is yeah well there's that we have that buy and have that um wing of they got from us from the academy i can't remember his name off the top of my head the 17 year old and even he's playing games and he's scoring goals so i i think it'd be he'd get good game time out there and i think it'd be a good move for him but i just think we've we can't we can't let him go i mean who who is a who could we really get with one day to go, it depends how much money you're willing to spend. I I, I know you're I know you're gonna possibly bring up Zahar, but I just don't think Zahar's worth the money. I don't, especially in the last day of the window, Palace ain't gonna drop their fee. He's not worth seventy million. Um, there's actually another player I would prefer, who I think you could probably get. Ben Rama. No, I, I like Ben Rama too. I think he's a good player and I, I would take him as a fourth because I think he can do what I think we actually do need, which is beat a man. But actually, my choice has been for a while and I still, I mean, respect to the club he's at, but I would love to have Alan San Maximan. Yeah, I think he'd be a good, he, he would be a good signing. Um, he's so young. Yeah. I, I could see that. It just depends on what, again, what Newcastle would want yeah very valid but actually it's funny when we're talking about age and potential he's only 23 i was i was still surprised that no big clubs come in because i'd seen him play uh, before and he was just crazy and he plays the same here and, and like yesterday single-handedly won the game for them yesterday sometimes you need that and i think we've only got one player that does it yeah i think he will get his move eventually you could see Maybe if he does really well again this season, you could see a Barcelona maybe taking a swoop for him. I can just see him as that type of player to go and do well at Barcelona, but obviously it depends on Barcelona because they're in this massive turmoil at the moment. So let's skip over. No, I definitely agree with you. I think that's a great point. And um, I just want to kind of skip over to, as, as we're talking about that one player, that one player is back. Christian Pulisic back, played eight minutes. Um, I, I actually didn't see anything in the rerun of the game of him playing. Did you see anything that he did in the eight-minute cameo he had? Uh, yeah, he got on the ball a little bit, but this is where I, I go and people won't go, oh, why hasn't he played so I can Why hasn't he played sooner? And I, judging from how he played, I can see why he hasn't played the last few games because he doesn't look... He's not on the ball. He's not sharp at the moment. He still doesn't look 100%. And I think maybe America... Is he going on international duty for America? Do you know, that's a good question. I was thinking that earlier today. Surely they can't take him after playing eight minutes. Well, I know that Ziyech's going for Morocco. That's crazy. 
But I think that I think that could be good. That could be as long as he doesn't get injured. I think that could be really good for him because that will be 120 minutes of if he does play the full games or whatever minutes he gets. It's just game minutes that they can get. I know it's not with Chelsea, but Lampard can look at that and go, "Hey, they they look. He looks all right. He'll come back. Maybe he'll get. I think Ziyech will come back and probably start on the bench anyway. But I think you could probably if. Pulisic does play for America and get some good games because you know if he's there he'll play because yeah. he's their main man he's the poster boy so I think if he gets good minutes there and plays and looks sharp then I don't see why Pulisic can't start in the first game back and I think that could be good for us. Do you know what you've actually turned my uh, head on that I think you actually might be right if he goes there and plays at least 80, you know, 100, like you said, 122 to light amounts of games. I think that would be good. He would come back sharper, wouldn't he? I think that, getting the, those kind of game minutes, I think that would be quite positive. Yeah, I mean, we'll wait and see how they do on it national duty, because knowing Chelsea, one of them will go and get injured or something, and then we'll be complaining again. Yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of good players now that shouldn't be as much of an issue. Once they're all back, you know, one or two minor injuries in different positions, we can deal with it, but not in all the positions. Uh, I'm just going to ask you about that, because I was going to say, this is my question to you. Now that Pulisic is back, what does it mean? What's the result of this? And before we continue, there was a note I took, because I've always been of this belief, and I said it and I got abuse. I said, we've signed a better player than Sancho. Pulisic is better than Sancho. I've said this since the beginning, and I still believe it. I started watching Dortmund's games after we signed him every time he was playing, and I thought his technical level was miles better. And Sancho would pop up and score a goal. But for example, I mean, if you were to compare them, when we play against low-block teams, Pulisic apparently has more touches in the opposition box per 90. It's about 5.96. Sancho's is 4.76. So they say that Sancho is a bit more accurate with passing than Pulisic, 84% to 80%. But if we talk about that point, Sancho plays where there's a lot more space afforded. So if you kind of compare that, it would assume statistically that Pulisic is in fact better than Sancho. And for me, I think he is. A lot of people are blinded by goals and assists. And if he doesn't get them, you know, that's automatically makes a player better. But I disagree with that. What do you think about this, this point? What, what does it mean? Yeah, I think the problem is certain fans look at certain statistics and look at it too blindly. You've got to look at how Dortmund play. And when Sancho was doing very well and Pulisic was still there, they were fo- most of their play was focusing down Sancho's side. So it was always Sancho was always going to get more goals and assists than Pulisic. And you've got to look at that. And to answer your question about what happens when Pulisic comes in, I just I just see us going down both sides now because... We've always had it for years that whether it's Eden has everything goes down Eden Hazard's side or only one um, one player the same problem. <laughs> Sorry, continue. It's like last season, uh, especially after lockdown, people were complaining about Reese James defending and he was getting uh, done a lot. But if you watched the game and you looked at detailed stats, teams were always trying to pin us down on that right hand side because it was the side to get on because we were more attacking on that side but people don't look at that and go well people are they're targeting James and they're targeting two on one 
as a young boy, what was he supposed to do? You've got to look at the perspective rather than just looking at numbers. I think that's the problem with football fans nowadays. They'll either look at one or the other and not use both. And I think that's what we've got to do. And I think Pulisic is technically gifted and he is better technically than Sancho. He's got to use it. And so far for Chelsea, I think he has used it very well when he's um, played. And I think if he can carry that on, and if he can stay fit, I think he's going to prove to be a very good player for us. And if, I'll make the I'll make the prediction now. I think he'll be better than Hazard if he stays fit. So do I. So actually, we do share this opinion. I think if he injuries permitting, I think he has uh, even more upside than Eden. And uh, actually, I think the way they put, I think Pulisic is a lot more driven to be that than Hazard was. And I'm a hu- I was a huge fan of Hazard. I was really happy when he was linked and when he came. But I'll, I'll admit, I thought he would be a great player, but I did not think he would be like the player that he did become, which was just super elite. I, I did not see that coming. And uh, in this case, I do see that coming, I believe, in Pulisic. If he stays fit, I think he will be in the top five players in the world. Uh, because I think he has a bit of everything attacking. I think he releases the ball at the perfect time. I think his final third work is unbelievably good. When do you see him not make a good decision when he gets that final third, a la Willian? He doesn't just whack the ball one-on-one miles over the bar, or even like Hudson-Odoi at this point. It just seems like it's something natural for him, I think. Yeah, I think with him, it's it's sim- I'm not going to compare him to Mbappe, but it is similar in the way that it's just instinctive in, in him. He instinctively just knows the right decision. And he can even do like against Liverpool with all the flicks. He can do it and he knows when to do it and he knows when not to do it. He always seems to make the right decision. What I like about Pulisic, and I've noticed this is a trend with the players we've been signing. They've all got interesting backstories in terms of Pulisic coming from America, being the poster boy of America, going to Dortmund at an early age, new country, new language, settling in well, then coming to Chelsea. Thiago Silva with all his ups and downs in his career, having tuberculosis, fighting for his life. Mendy with being in a job centre at age 23. Even the likes of Havertz and Werner having their own little backstories behind them as well. And I think that's in a team that's just really good in, in terms of the motivation of the team and the motivation of the players to really fight for what they want because they've they've had the hardships in the past i totally agree with that i think the the stories are really i mean and also if you even extend that to some other players remember victor moses i mean he had a kind of a horrible phase didn't he as well i mean life upbringing it's really nice to see like those players always seem more driven um, and i don't want to say that's you know i don't want to make it a class thing of course um, i think that's actually really important what you say and um, I'm, I've been a big fan. I love that position. Um, it's my favourite position to study, to look at. And there will be an image you'll see uh, when analysing Christian Pulisic that, like, when when he scored, set that goal up for Tammy, uh, he left four. He took four players out the game with about three touches. And I think it is just not talked about enough how unbelievably good that was. I think doing something like that is is even harder than that fantastic Hazard goal we saw against West Ham. Uh, where he kind of drove straight through the middle, switch foot, got in there and scored. And I think it looked so aesthetically pleasing on the eye. Yeah, and to put it in perspective, I was talking to my mate, Liverpool fan, and he's actually not deluded like most of them, which is quite nice. He said, that, he said that after watching Pulisic in that game, he'd take Pulisic over Mane right now. 
which I was even shocked with. It's, it's good to actually see people recognise it because I think sometimes we've got to step back from club biases and look and when you see somebody who's that unbelievably good and that's how I feel about Pulisic. I felt like that about him when I first saw him for Dortmund. Um, I first I watched him in a game when he was 17 and he was beating everyone, driving at the ball. I was like, who the f- is this guy? And then I saw that he had a Manu shirt on when he was a kid and I instantly thought, no, no, don't like this guy. He's going to end up at United. Bad player, bad player, average. <laughs> but then <laughs> one more you watch and I was like, I, I just, I actually avoided watching him because I thought, well, he's not going to be a player for us. And, uh, you know, you get near to, when that rumour came out and he said, okay, we're going to get, we're going to get Pulisic. And I was like, oh, my God. And I thought, oh, no, it's just a, it's just a bid that's not happening. It's just a fake rumour. And then when it said it was done, I, I was literally so trying to hold in the excitement. I was Because I thought we would get something like we, what we did get last season. Uh, because I'd yeah. been watching him. And I thought that's what we'd get. And we got even, I'd even say that we've got even more than I expected in the first season. So let's hope we, we keep getting him. Yeah, and do you know what? I'm actually I ha- I'm having that with the, uh, the other American kid, GNR. Giovanni Reyna, he looks so good as well. I feel like obviously he's 17 now, so he's got he's got bundles of time to develop. I think two, three years time, I thought I'm thinking, could we just have a look and just see what he's like and see how he's grown? Could it be an option? Yeah, I I know we've got Pulisic, who's going to be here for hopefully for years on by. Hudson Odoi obviously still really young, going to be here for a long time, and Ziek still going to be here for five, six years. So it may be a thing where he looks and goes, "Well, where am I going to get the game time?" He'll move elsewhere. But I think he is, a, he he could be a cracking player. And I think the American talent is good, isn't it? The McKenney, he's very, he's he's a good player. I think he's got to get to the, he's got to be at the right club to develop for his development. But I think he. They've, they've got so much young talent, but they just need to have a manager to use it. The crazy thing about Gio Reyna, he's 17. I mean, yeah. so saying where he might play, a lot can change in three years. Mm. So I, I would definitely be for that. I, I've always been quite a fan of, of kind of taking players from places like that. I remember when I was younger, we got linked for one million with Aguchi on Yewu, like 2006, when they wouldn't give Jose any money. And I remember thinking this would actually be great for us, but the club didn't do it in the end and he didn't really do any much with his career. Um, I think, it's, yeah, someone like Rayner is exciting. I saw like a game, not the, the recent one he scored, didn't he? I can't remember who they were playing against. But fantastic. Yeah, I can't remember. But it's like, it's, with the German league, it is, it is really the pool that I think everyone's got to look at at the moment because young talent is thriving in that league, whether it's Bayern Munich, Dortmund, Schalke, Mönchengladbach, whoever, by Leverkusen, everyone, they're all seeming to get talent and young talent are going out there to get it, I think. It's well, the place think, you need to look at. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there there seems to be a lot of, like every couple of years, those talent, they seem to drop in different places, don't they? you got like, and I think now Germany is definitely that place. And it's funny, it kind of aligned with something they were trying to do in their actual life. They're trying to attract more young people to work there these days. Um, student I've got told me this and uh, so it could be somewhere to look I agree um, I'm just going to shift that over now because I'm aware we're going to do one more thing and then we got our Twitter questions a couple of them um, two more days one more day to the window shuts are we seeing any more action any more ins Matt what do you think um, I'd, I'd, I'd really like I'm on the party train right now I, I've <laughs> 
it's it's a i've always i've i've always liked Partey, but i thought will he fit in is he is he the player we need and i thought he had all this I've, I've obviously looking at um the progress of him going to arsenal and i've always looked at his agent he's been his agent said one thing his dad said another i thought mm, is it a, is it a, is it a deal chelsea should go anywhere near or is it just should we bother but i think just thinking of how Partey and Kante could work together in that double pivot, I think that could really work. And I think with Rice, I love him. I like him. I'd have him in the team, but at 80 million, is it really just something you want to spend on? I don't think it will happen this season if we do. I don't think that's going to happen either, to be honest, that we're talking about it, because it, I think a long time has gone without any actual action apart from rumours of regurgitation. Like, would they? I mean, I know they like to bid late, but I can't imagine they would bid in two days' time. Um, I can't see that happening. Interesting you're saying about party. Um, I wonder if it's like, like knowing where he's from and a nice bit of nostalgia, which is making us want this player a bit more. What do you think? Yeah, it could be. I think... It's just, I think it just he would do well. I think him and Kante would just really fit. Obviously, I could be just thinking this in my head, thinking it's good, and then when it comes to fruition, it's going to be absolutely awful knowing us. But I just, I just look at it and think, yes, yes, just do it. And I think with going back to Rice, I honestly think prediction now, he'll go, he'll go to Man United next summer, replace Matic because I think that's a. That's an area they really need to improve on. That one, one in notes. I wrote that in my notes. How about we get Matic back? Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> the problem is with how fast-paced our play is. It's just whether he can keep up. But I think it could be a good short-term option to bring back. And I'd, I'd be happy to have Matic back. I know he went to Man United and I'm always... When someone goes to an Arsenal, Tottenham, United, I kind of really just disgruntle it, and I really don't like it. But I, I would bring Matic back, and I think he would provide that leadership as well that we just haven't got. Yeah, I agree. I do think we do miss that. I mean, I, I would be really pro Partey as well. Um, I think because his age is good as well. He's twenty-seven. That's like maybe five, six years of him. Forty-five million. I mean. It, if it results in winning of stuff, that's kind of like a deal that would repay itself quite quickly. I think it's a nice alternative yeah. to Rice. He's played at a higher level. The thing, like, I mean, I am pro him. I think he's a good player, and especially more recently. I remember, I don't know, like, when this transformation came and he become this, like, super strong, good player. Because I remember he was, like, bench fodder, like, during their best periods when they were getting to those finals and semi-finals. And he used to be that guy that always seemed to get off the bench about 60, 55 minutes and kind of, like, be more defensive. I always used to see him pop up there. What, when did this progression come? For what I remember rightly, I think it was when Atletico were just having a bit of trouble with injuries and he just came in and he started playing well and I think you he used to not we when he used to come on you also look at him and he was like okay he's he's got it but he's not he's even for the Spanish league he didn't look that bulky and he looked just that little bit lightweight for a defensive midfielder or even a Kante type midfielder but I think he's grown on that physically developed and I think he's just I, I think it was one of them things. He just played a couple of games and 
he's Simeone's gone, yep, yeah, right, I'm having you in the team. Yeah, maybe that's it. And I think it could be, I mean, it could be something good. It could be. I mean, I personally don't think there's going to be any more ins, but it's always nice to have that surprise factor. You know, I used to really miss deadline day. The best one was when uh, Torres and Luis came in. I mean, that was unbelievable. Yeah, I was, that, so... that, that was really good. Love and that. Then, then there's the depressing ones where we waited for ages for Modric and uh, Raul Morelis came instead, even though he turned out to be a very good player for us in the end. Yeah, I think this this tomorrow, I think it's going to be a case of you're going to see Bakayoko go out on loan. You're going to see a couple of others go out. I'm hoping to see a sell. I think if there is one that will happen, I honestly, this Jorginho to Arsenal, I'm re- it's start it last 24 48 hours it's really starting to gather a bit more pace especially with or not leaving now the party rumors have dried up with arsenal it's all chelsea at the moment i think if if arsenal did buy Jorginho and we got party i i'd be laughing right now would I'd you i would do that i i i like i, I do like Jorginho in a way but even in the Palace game, I, I mentioned in the group chat, he's just so in the defensive phase. He's just so weak with and just lethargic. And it just yeah. it, it frustrates me. And when you can get a player like Partey in there, I, I, it'd just be so great. I think Jorginho at Arsenal, he'd do well, but he'd also just help mess them up, which would be quite funny. Also, we've got another chip, haven't we? Because remember of our Marcus Alonso situation. I mean, he could be... Uh, Atletico wanted him a while ago, if you remember. There could be some uh, some kind of thing happening there that makes the price of Partey even a bit less and more attractive. Yeah, I think Atletico, obviously, all the Spanish clubs are in a bit of trouble financially with all COVID. So it could be something Marina could exploit. Um, I do think... If Alonso had the choice, though, he'd probably prefer Inter Milan. But, oh, of course. And I think that will be something. I think Alonso will go to Inter Milan, I think. Um, I think Rudiger will probably be the one to leave out the centre-backs. I can't see one. I can't see all the centre-backs staying. I think Everton's interest in Tamori's gone right down. I think they're looking at that Ben yeah, Godfrey yeah. now. So... I see it being Rudiger going. It might be a PSG. I hope if it's a Tottenham. Me too. PSG yeah, they win the league. <laughs> well, they're struggling with defense defensively at the moment, so they might need Rudiger. But if if Rudiger goes to Tottenham, I definitely think that is I, a I likely think... one. Um, I could see that happening for for sure. Yeah, I think we've 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 done good business with PSG in the past. I think it could be something we could do, and maybe it could be a thing of. They could look at Bakayoko as well, but I think they're, they're look, they've been looking at a lot of Chelsea players over the summer, which has been interesting to see. I think it could happen. I think just with how they're poor they've been defensively, I think that will be the place Rudiger goes. If if he goes Tottenham, I'm sorry, but he's lo- he's lot he's lost me there. Yeah, me too. That that would be really disappointing considering the players I back the most. <laughs> especially <laughs> after the racism thing. Yeah, but I, yeah, exactly. Like my three of my favourite players, Luis, yeah. William, and and Rutiger, all going to Arsenal and Tottenham. I am taking a serious L. That is the that is probably one of the biggest L's you'll take. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think so. And uh, right, let's uh, 
close our wonderful time today with our Twitter questions. So I do believe you have one there from Jesters from our group. Yes. Let me just get it up quickly. Very unorganized right now. So words there, Matt. It's typical. <laughs> Bloody technical issues at just right right time. Ah, it's all good. We so the first out. one was, does anyone ever wonder if Ruben Loftus-Cheek never had his Achilles injury, would Kovacic have been the player he was? Or would he would Kovacic have even been a Chelsea player full stop? Ooh. I mean, that that is a serious can of worms, isn't it? Um, I think that Kovacic would have been signed regardless because I think that Sarri wanted these players, these types of players for his team. And so when, when he was loaned in, I think because his loan was quite successful and we were backed into that position where, you know, we had to sign permanently, we didn't have any options. I think it was because of those reasons. Whilst it was a good reason, because I like Kova, I think he's a good, maybe he's not as good as some people say, but he still is a good player to have in your team and he can be brilliant. Um, yeah, I think he would have been signed regardless. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think the club still would have wanted to sign him on a permanent. I think if Ruben was still not with his injury and he was still fully playing, playing really well, starting week in, week out, it might have been a thing where Cover may have gone, do I want to do I, do I just go back to Real Madrid? Is it worth it? coming to Chelsea and possibly not always starting. But um, I think if he did sign and Ruben didn't get his injury, I don't think Kovacic would have had the season he had. I think Ruben would have had that season. And I think I think Kovacic would have struggled. That's quite curious. I mean, I'm, I mean, you definitely think that Ruben coming, you know, Ruben on the Sarri was very good, wasn't he? And then, like after his season with Crystal Palace, he was just, you know, brilliant. And I don't think anyone wanted anyone but Ruben to play. And I think it still could be the same. I think he can still get it back now. Give him a I mean, loan. yeah, he, needs, he, just, he just needs to get sharp. I mean, 13 months not playing football. People are writing him off after a few bad games. It's just, it's just stupid for me. See, this is where I kind of draw the line where I think, yeah, in this case, because where I say Hudson-Odoi, he hasn't done really anything for me to say that he, could do something you know what I mean but for me Ruben is the opposite I think it's a guy that we've seen do it in the Premier League we've seen him do it at Palace in the Premier League we've seen him do this kind of you know have this level of play so in this case I don't think we should be writing a player off after two or three bad matches I think it's crazy and it's even the idea of people say oh Ruben's injury prone is Ruben up to it attitude wise he got over his back injury which is a back injury from my line of um, studying at uni being an osteopath, it's something that doesn't go away quite easily and it takes a lot of rehab, a lot of consistent exercise. He, he's got a, literally a whole rehab plan that he does on top of training every day just to keep his back in the best state possible. And when, you've got, when you're in an attitude like that, you're always going to w- want to get back sharp. And he's going to have the attitude to get back. He's not, he's not going to lose motivation and suddenly just not be the player he was and the injury he had he's over his back injuries he's had not one reoccurrence since and then the Achilles injury was a freak accident that could have happened to anyone so the idea of him being injury prone is just again lazy opinions 
it's an extremely lazy opinion because it's not a recurring injury, is it? And that, that's the thing. We saw it just happen. It was an accident, as you say. Uh, that's one of those. It's not some guy that's had the same injury and been out, 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 out. So, yeah, I agree with you. People need to do a little more research on these these things because, yeah, I, I think he'll still come back and be the great player. I think he still has it. I don't see why uh, we would write him off at this stage. And he's, he's also one of the few graduates who I think does have top potential here, I think. Yeah, and he he was the went back in the day when it was in his youth days when he was with Christensen, Tammy Abraham, Solanke, etc. He was the crop of the crop. He was the captain of the youth team. He was the man everyone looked to in that team. And then even with Hazard, Hazard rated him so much when he was there, yeah. and he didn't rate any other Chelsea midfielder like he rated Ruben. Yeah, and I think he was the golden boy of that, wasn't he? I remember, like, um, people like, oh, he's going to be the one, and he didn't get those games, and then Mourinho said he's, you know, went a step back and all that stuff. And then when he starts playing, he was, you know, you, you can tell when he plays, right? There was so much, and he scored goals as well, and we didn't have a goal-scoring midfielder that much. I mean, we had Barkley that season, right, was the other one um, who's now gone. Um, I'm not sure what happened with him, but, that, you know, I definitely think that you will get it. I do think he will get it back. And, uh I'm just going to shift that over to the next Twitter question. We've got one from Concierge of Crime. Uh, he says, uh, have we found the balance between defence and mid in a 4-2-3-1, given how easy we've been counted against for many months? Uh, what's your opinion there, Matt? Um, I think the 4-2-3-1 for me is probably the formation that I would want to have long term. I think... With the players we've got, I still don't think it's fixed. I still think... I know we played well against Crystal Palace and we didn't look in a bother, but there were still the same recurring issues with the Kante-Jorginho pivot that it just... Kante was doing his work and was doing perfectly fine, but then when it comes to Jorginho, it was lacking and there was just that space still. But luckily, Zuma and Silva were doing so well that it did you wouldn't see it as much. I think that a player does need to come in to change that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So I, I don't think we've really found a balance in one match. Um, I think it was more, I mean, in this case, Crystal Palace less wanting, you know, less desire to actually attack. Um, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I like all the players really at the club. There's one or two I don't really like as much. Um, like Christensen, for example, I don't think is good enough to play here. But um, I think... What Jorginho offers in good games doesn't happen enough. And I think we've got to maximise the squad in what it can do. Uh, he and Kovacic are defensive liabilities. So I don't think they can really function together. And I think the same problem we had when we played the two pivot, that anyone playing with Fabregas was up against it, having to do both of their defending. Um, I remember Matic doing that incredibly well when we won the league. Bakayoko tried when he played with him, and it was really hard. Um, and then obviously Bakker had that really terrible season, well, apart from the final and a few other games. But um, So for me, I think someone needs to come in for that to be a reality. I, I think a DM, someone that's going to sit, someone that has the athleticism, good tackling, and can read the defensive side of the game better. That's what I think will give us that balance. I'm not so sure that the team currently has it. Yeah, I think with Kovacic, Jorginho, you're completely right. I think you've got, in, it comes in, it's a cutthroat game. You've got, a, you can only 
the other. And if you if I was to choose between the two, it's Kovacic all day long that I'd keep. Would even regret it at all. Sorry, Jorginho, but you can do well in Italy or you can do okay at Arsenal. You're a good player, but you don't fit. I think that's probably fair. I mean, and if he does stay, you know, we'll have those kind. I mean, there is a, there is room for him maybe, but I think yeah, in this point, he, he appears more of a luxury player and somebody who can take good penalties at this stage. Um, although I do like, I do think he can bring some good things to the game. I think it's more important to have a defensive balance, and it's something that we don't currently have. Um, the final question. I think that's the final question. We we've got one more, haven't we? Uh, we've got. One from Jesters, and then you got one Twitter question from American Hooligans, I think. Let's do the American Hooligans question. Um, American Hooligans sent us this message. Is the S or the C silent in the word sent? <laughs> um, a bit of a trick question, because without the S, the word is still sent. And without the C, the word is also still sent. So... Are they both, is one silent or are they both silent or does one assume that the other is there so it doesn't speak? What do you think, Matt? I, I think <laughs> if I'm honest, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's it's whatever you choose, really. I think it's a matter of opinion. Some people will say it's the C, some people will say it's the S. It's the whole um, crisps, chips debate or it's the whole, um, uh, what's it, um, scones or scones. <laughs> Crisps are those crunchy things that go with chocolate occasionally. Um, that, it's like the, it's like the uh, scones and scones debate. Oh, that's a trigger. That triggers me, Matt. What, how Which do you one think? are you? Are you a scones or a scones? What are you first? Ah, oh, I'm scones. Oh, Matt, what has happened? A gun is going off in my head. It is scone, my friend. Oh, no, sorry. It's scone. <laughs> Right, let's move on to the final question before we wrap up this beautiful pod. Okay, so second question from Jester's Vengeance. Um, will we will we see Ross Barkley this season or will we see Fast Barkley at Aston Villa? Oof. Um, I think we're going to see... We're going to see a bit of both. We're going to see one game where he scores an absolute blinder. We're going to see another game where he steals someone's penalty and makes us play Bayern Munich. Um, but in terms of Aston Villa, I hope he has a great season because it either maximises his value or unbiasedly he comes back. You know, I mean, I think we might have been a little bit unfair on him down the years just because we expected a much better player. But really, we've got the player he always was. Flashes of greatness, but not enough consistency, right? Yeah, I think I've been a bit harsh on Barkley over the years. Um I think it's a good move for him. I think he will be more of the Ross than the Fast, in my opinion. But I think I've always said it with Ross. I've seen enough of him. I think he's he's it's just not Chelsea's level. Not at a starting or even I mean he could stay and sit on the bench, but I don't think Ross wants to do that. I think play for an Aston Villa or even someone like a Southampton even the, obviously I know Rodriguez is there now but going back to Everton would have been good for him I think he's at that level of fighting for a top six but not anything yeah. above 
I'd agree with that. And I think it's nice to see you got some trophies here, right? So it's another kind of goes to our story that, you know, when you come to Chelsea, you win things. He's got a Europa League and an FA Cup, hasn't he? So uh, good for yeah. him. And a couple of runners-up medals. So, you know, I mean, good for him. I hope he does well. Obviously, we always want to see Chelsea players do well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it can only work for us. I mean, if he smashes that, they're going to buy him if they stay up. And yeah, think... or, or you'll, you'll get someone come in with a big bid and... We'll yeah. be laughing again with another player that we've sold for loads of money and then we can spend it on other positions that we'll need in the future. Absolutely, my friend. And on that note, uh, what a wonderful pod this has been. A two-man dynamic duo, double champion pod. How was it for you, Mr. Ball? I think it's brilliant. I think maybe we've got to do this again. Just I'm to... the M&M no, no, no offence to the others, but it just works. Eminem. Yeah, you're, you're all out Kamal and Sadiq. <laughs> no, but okay, we're going to say also thanks to Sadiq for this wonderful platform. Also, this has been WWC Pod episode, was it 35? 35, Matt. yes. Uh, we've got to say up the chills, been wonderful. It's me, Marvito underscore dude, Matt at Matt J Ball. Check out his wonderful articles, all that stuff. New articles every week. See you later, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. See you later.